Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Thursday, November the 4th, and we're going to start with an incredibly worrying story from a mum in Medway who says her daughter had her drink spiked on a night out. Olivia Calvert had been with a friend at the casino rooms in Rochester when she started feeling ill, suffering hot flushes, being sick and even struggling to stand up. Well, the 19-year-old was having her second drink at the time. She says she was then escorted from the building after being accused of being drunk and was left on the pavement outside. Her mum, Hannah, who lives in Raynham, has been speaking to Ish. I think it would have only taken someone there a couple of questions to her friend to actually realise that she wasn't drunk. Something instantly happened. I think there's a big difference. Although there's, you know, the symptoms of being spiked and being drunk can be similar, the being spiked is more extreme. And with being drunk, you don't go from standing and stone cold sober to on the floor unconscious. So if anyone there who worked there could have said a couple of questions to her friend they could have even phoned an emergency contact quicker or got got her looked after quicker um i do think any clubs and pubs have a responsibility of looking after their customers they are paying customers to go into their venue and i can only speak on my experience my daughter's experience how we were treated and I am really disappointed. There was there was no help. There was no support. There was no comments of apology or this is what happens. There was nothing. We were just left on, on our own to get over it. And, you know, as a young girl and the younger generation going out, they do doubt themselves. So people just saying you're just drunk with no medical assessment. This is why people aren't speaking out, because they don't feel confident in the authoritative people that they're supposed to be looking after them. How does your daughter feel about going out now, knowing what happened with that experience? How do you feel about your daughter or someone of a similar age, a a teenager, a young woman going out and potentially not being as well protected as they should be? Yeah, so I was confident with Olivia going out. I was confident with her knowing her surroundings, what to do, being comfortable. Um, I've never had a problem with her. I know how she is when she goes out and I know who she's with. So I've never never worried about her being out. Um, after this, she doesn't want to go out. She, she doesn't want to be in a place where she felt comfortable and now she isn't. Um, so she's really not keen on, on going anywhere, drinking anything. And I know that I'm going to worry so much more because it can, it's just a split second where everything's fine and then it's not okay. And it's not just the physical. You know, I feel lucky that she... She didn't, she had a mild reaction. I know a lot of people have been ill for a lot worse. Um, but it's it's the emotional side of it as well. It's the trauma of from that point onwards for however many months, even years, you know, the, you go out to have fun. You don't want to go out to be spiked or drugged or something bad to happen. So it's going to affect you emotionally for a long time. And I don't think she'll be going out for the foreseeable future. And unfortunately, this isn't the the first case that just over the Halloween weekend, uh, it seems there were further five reports across the county of similar types of incidents. What do police do? What should clubs be doing, bars be doing in order to to prevent it? You mentioned there some simple questions could have been asked um, to, you know, uh, get a better understanding of what happened to your daughter and, and to take those concerns more seriously what practical measures do you think police should take or staff should take? 
I think it you have to be realistic. They are dealing with a lot of people every weekend. They are dealing with a lot of drunk people. So I understand that some certain measures are going to be impossible for them to do, but I do think they need to ramp up that security. They need to, I don't expect them to search every single person thoroughly, but I do think they're very lax at the moment on searching. And because this is a national thing going on at the moment, there seems to be a lot of spiking everywhere. I think they need to make it aware to the public that exactly what they're doing, have someone that is trained medically um, in the premises, have pictures of that person up, have high vis jackets on. I saw, um, I didn't get a comment from casinos, but I saw in the article that was printed yesterday that they said they had um, lids or tops for their drinks free. Um, I've asked my daughter and some people that go to that nightclub, they've never seen these. So maybe they just need to make them more aware and open, put them at the door. Or maybe if they thoroughly searched every 20th person, so then it actually sends out a message to say, I'll hold on, they're paying attention. But get someone at a higher level, a management, someone in the police actually keep putting statements out there, putting someone in charge to look after it so it makes them feel safer. And it makes the parents know that there's someone actually taking them seriously. But I think whatever they do, they need to do something that they're not doing at the moment. There's not enough communication with the public to say what they're doing or how they're trained. So my experience of Olivia going out is she didn't get any care. She was kicked to the curb and she did not receive any care. Well, we have had a statement from the casino rooms. It's been read for us by Jamie. The safety and welfare of customers has always been and continues to be our priority and we're doing everything we can to create a safe experience. Our trained staff are here to help and have the support of our on-site first aider. Information messages relating to this are shown on our in-house HD TV screen and projector system along with online digital supports and also physical posters to promote awareness. The venue also has drink protectors available free to customers on all bars. We would like to take this opportunity to remind people on a night out, wherever they are, to be vigilant and never leave their drink unattended, never accept a drink from somebody they don't know and to not drink anything they didn't see being poured. All operators across the hospitality sector have a duty of care over their patrons and casino rooms is no exception. Taking great pride in their jobs, our staff always do their very best to help and look after all patrons at all times and will continue to do so into the future. As always, the venue will assist Kent Police with any investigations using our full resources, including our extensive CCTV system. We also have a long-standing policy to search all patrons prior to entry. And we've been in touch with Kent Police who've told us they're investigating what happened to Olivia and have reminded anyone going out about how to stay safe. You can read their advice in the story at kentonline.co.uk Kent Online News Three people have been arrested following a disturbance on a school bus which is said to have left a woman covered in blood. Emergency crews were called to Broomfield near Herne Bay yesterday evening. It's thought two women and a man had got on the 921 which was taking pupils home from Spires Academy. One person suffered self-inflicted knife wounds. A woman's been cut free from a car and taken to hospital following a crash near Ashford. The vehicle she was in collided with a skip lorry on Kiln Lane in Bethesden around four yesterday afternoon, closing the road in both directions. An update on a story we first brought you yesterday and a cyclist remains in a critical but stable condition in hospital following a suspected hit and run near Tunbridge. It happened on the A228 Maidstone Road near Five Oak Green on Tuesday. Police are keen to hear from 
from anyone with dash cam footage to work out if any other vehicles were actually involved. A person's died and another is missing after trying to cross the channel to the UK. French authorities say they believe the asylum seeker was unconscious when they were pulled from the water and pronounced dead when they were returned to the shore. Yesterday, we told you the number of people making the journey in small boats to Kent this year has passed 20,000. Bridget Chapman from Kent Refugee Action Network says people are desperate to leave the conditions they're living in in northern France. The situation in France is really bad for people. People live rough around northern France, around around the Calais area. They're moved on by police constantly. They have their tents um, deliberately slashed, their sleeping bags soaked. Um, it's a really, really difficult situation for them. You know, people often say, well, France is a safe country. Well, if I was somebody living on the northern French coast um, who wasn't white and was seeking asylum in the UK, I wouldn't feel that it was a particularly safe place to be. And it's going to be, you know, the weather is not going to be nice. I mean, that's going to be a very, very horrible time for them. Would that make them perhaps slightly more desperate to make the journey? And then it could be riskier, say, if the weather wasn't as it should be when they're crossing. Yeah, I think when you're, you know, in danger of freezing to death, um, I think you, you, you start to feel that you've got nothing left to lose. And that is, the, you know, that is the situation. The weather is going to turn. It is going to be extremely difficult. You know, and amongst those people living rough in, in, in and around northern France are unaccompanied children that the UK government is aware of. And I would say that, if, you know, if we can't agree on anything else, surely we can agree that those unaccompanied children should be brought to the UK in safety not left to languish in northern France. Kent Online reports. The father of a young Kent man killed by Stephen Port has told an inquest he never confirmed a suicide note found on his body was written by his son. 21-year-old Daniel Whitworth from Gravesend was given a fatal dose of GHB by the serial killer. Port is serving a whole life term. New inquests into the deaths of the victims are being held to see if police could have caught him sooner. Three men who stole alcohol and cigarettes after after ram raiding a co-op in Medway are starting a total of more than 10 years in prison. They drove a silver BMW X5 into the front of the store on the Isle of Grain in June. This is the moment police pursued their vehicle before arresting them in Woodland. Approaching Ratcliffe Highway roundabout, stand by for direction. Wrong way. Vehicle is wrong side of the roundabout, taken the third exit, heading in the direction of High House though. Vehicle is slowing. Us. Just make sure we get close, just in case. Close, 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 close. Vehicle is vehicle is trying to ram us. Vehicle has rammed us. Wrong way, wrong way. It's gone wrong way. Wrong head way, on, vehicle on. oncoming, vehicle oncoming. DRA is high at this moment in time. Vehicle is approaching at speed, oncoming vehicles, wrong side of the Ratcliffe Highway. We're under arrest on suspicion of burglary. You do not say anything, but he may hunt the feet. Do not mention when questions take you there or on the court. 
Some people on Sheppey have been told to do a 128-mile round trip to have a COVID booster jab. The NHS booking system is offering people in Sheerness appointments in South End. It's because it works out the distance as the crow flies rather than by road. It's led to calls for more facilities on the island. Elsewhere, Medway's Dr Range is urging parents to get their children vaccinated against flu. It's feared this year could be one of the worst flu seasons the country's experienced as a result of the pandemic. Well, the target is to have 70% of all eligible children immunised, but research shows less than two-thirds of parents are planning to book an appointment. I've been chatting to the TV medic. We know that flu for the vast majority of people will be OK, but it can cause complications such as bronchitis and pneumonia could end up landing you in hospital even worse. And that's especially the case for vulnerable groups such as the elderly, pregnant people and also children under the age of five. Luckily, in the UK, we have a National Nasal Spray Childhood Flu Vaccination Programme, which is predominantly delivered through schools. Um, So this year it's being rolled out to everyone aged 2 to 15 on the 31st of August and those children who might be clinically at risk from 2 to 17. If you are outside that group or or you um, can't have the nasal spray version, then you will be offered the alternative injectable flu version instead. Um, The important thing about these vaccines are that they are designed to protect us, help protect us from flu. And there's a real risk that as we mix more this winter, we could see a rise in flu cases. And we really don't need that as we're trying to come out of the pandemic and deal with everything else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm guessing that would put even more strain on the NHS. And is there any anything to say that perhaps our immune systems maybe aren't what they were because we haven't been socialising as much? Yeah, so over the uh, course of the last two years or so, we've been so good at trying to keep ourselves safe. We've been um, keeping away from other people, wearing masks, cleaning our hands, um, exercising a lot more caution. And what that's meant is it's it's helped protect us against COVID, but it has also led to a drastic drop in other infections, particularly flu. We hardly saw any flu over the last 18 months. But as we are now mixing, I'm working in Amy at the moment on the front line, and I see this, we are seeing the emergence of viruses that we did before, uh, including flu. And there's a real risk that if we have a surge in flu this winter, on top of dealing with the backlog of COVID, on top of potentially dealing with more COVID cases as well, it could really be devastating for the NHS. People may not be able to get the help they need for lots of different reasons, not just for flu and COVID. So it's imperative that we don't just protect ourselves this winter and our loved ones, but let's protect the NHS as well and get our vaccinations if we're eligible. Kent Online reports. House prices in some parts of Kent have gone up by almost 25% over the last five years, according to new research. Figures from Zoopla show Seven Oaks is the most expensive place to buy a property, with the average cost a staggering £490,000. Across the county, prices have risen by nearly 6% over the past year, although Medway, Thanet and Swale are the more affordable areas. You can see the full list of figures on the business pages of Kent Online. Elsewhere, people living in a part of Medway say they're delighted an appeal over a decision not to allow homes to be built on an orchard has been rejected. Developers wanted to put more than 1,200 properties on on land off Pump Lane in Raynham. It was initially turned down by the council, but an appeal was sent to the planning inspectorate. That has now been dismissed.
Now, all this week, we're hearing from the people in Kent who are doing their bit to tackle climate change and help the environment. It's as the COP26 conference takes place in Glasgow. Edward Mayer is from Swift Conservation, which has been giving advice to students at Abbey Court School in Faversham about birds and training into how to support urban biodiversity. Swifts are a sort of signpost species that tells you that things are not too bad with your urban biodiversity. They are a top predator of insects, they eat only flying insects. And so you know that insect health is is there if you have swifts flying around. Um, And insect health, insect abundance is incredibly important. Um, We've In some parts of Europe, we've lost up to 80% of our insects in the past 30 years, probably due to the uh, chemical regime used in agriculture and some other developments as well, maybe. But chemicals like the um, bee-killing insecticides are certainly highly suspect in this matter. Yet, we depend on insects for pollination, um, destruction of waste matter. Uh, They are the founding block of existence on earth. We cannot do without insects. So if we have swifts around the place, we know that insect life is okay. Good signpost species. The other thing about swifts is that they bring a burst of life, of drama, of action to places that would otherwise be like stony canyons, our cities, our towns, which are except for us and vehicles, are devoid of motion. They can be dead spaces. By and large, as humans, we do not tolerate other life around us. We might have a few pets, but by and large, we we are uncomfortable with life around us, in in our homes especially. Yet, this is a fairly new development. I mean, as you can see from this farm here, um, until quite recently, people were surrounded by life. Now we're getting more and more intolerant. We have, go to a supermarket and you'll find rack after rack, especially a garden centre, of things to kill things, chemicals to kill, whole racks of, you know, you must kill this, you must kill that, ants, woodlice, spiders, it must all be killed. Well, no, they mustn't. And so we have to change the way people think. And by tolerating swifts, encouraging them, getting the insect populations back to a a, a level that is more useful to us in our survival and our food production, we can do an awful lot. So we start with swifts, we start with drama, action and excitement, and we hope other things will follow. At the conference itself, a deal's been done with dozens of countries to end coal-fired power stations, but environmental groups have some concerns. Greenpeace say the agreement does not include China, which is the biggest polluter. And you can read more about the people in Kent who are doing their bit by heading to our special feature at Kent Online. Kent Online News. A new food hall that's cost almost half a million pounds has opened in Maidstone. Eight independent outlets have set up at Love Food at Lock Meadow. Well, let's hear them from Council Leader David Burton and Council councillor Martin Round. Finally the food hall here at Maidstone at Lock Meadow is open. Um, Huge variety of different styles of food to choose from. Um, The upgraded cinema upstairs. What a fantastic place to come and visit. Um, Maidstone it's open, it's open for business. Come and enjoy yourselves. As chair of the Economic Regeneration and Leisure Committee it's given me great pleasure to see the opening of the new Lock Meadow food now. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. 
seeing local produce with local people. But this is only the start of things. Many more things are yet to happen. After COVID, I think we all need something to improve our souls, improve our spirit, and certainly improve our food offering. And here we have something that's really exciting. But let's, let's face it, Maystone could do with a few more other things, and that's what we're working on. As a new administration and as a new chair of the Economic Regeneration and Leisure Committee, we've got plenty of plans and projects coming up, and I hope this is only the start of things to come. Head to the Maidstone pages of Kent Online to have a look inside. A Swanley mum insists she's determined to give her little girl a normal life as she continues to deal with severe epilepsy. Carrie Graver's daughter Madison, who's seven, is partially paralysed and can have up to 50 seizures a day after suffering a stroke as a baby that went undiagnosed for almost a year. However, mum Carrie says she encourages her to take part in everything, including a charity fashion catwalk back in September. And children's charity World Child has also agreed to transfer transform the family's garden to help with accessibility needs. A shipwreck off the Kent coast has been added to a list of at-risk sites by Historic England. The restoration warship sank in the great storm of 1703 and sits just off the Goodwin Sands. It's one of 130 sites added to a list of those that could be lost forever if work isn't done to save them. And a couple doing up a house in Raynham have found a TV that was probably bought to watch the Queen's coronation almost 70 years ago. It was discovered in the loft of the property and appears to be an early set made available for the historic event in 1953. You can see what it looks like at Kent Online. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can get access to the new ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, just subscribe by going to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.